Praise the Lord this morning, everybody in the house. Praise the Lord. Lift up their hands and praise the Lord. I've got a message for the devil this morning. You know, my Bible says the Lord reigns. Amen. I always think about that with uh, Brother Swaggart, and he starts singing. He starts singing. My, and I can't sing, but my God reigns. I love that. The Lord reigns. That's why I know it's a bad rendition. Of it. <laughs> the Lord reigns. Amen. Well, the Lord can heal. Amen. And my wife's going to Murfreesboro. She has to go for work every year in the spring. It's a little bit earlier uh, this year. So she's leaving this afternoon or this evening. Uh, so pray for us and be with her, but her father uh, is a little bit better, praise the Lord, and I asked for prayer uh, last Sunday morning, so God reigns, he can heal this morning, amen, he can deliver, amen, he can bring back the lost prodigal son, amen, you know the story of Lazarus and the rich man, I was just uh, reading about that and thinking about that and even jotted down some notes, you know, but the Bible says the rich man... He was rich in this world, and the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. And the Bible says, Lazarus, who was poor, beggar, he was sick, the dogs licked his sores. He just wanted some crumbs that would fall from the rich man's table. And the rich man wouldn't give him any. And he said, the Bible says that Lazarus lifted up his eyes in comfort. Amen. So that's our choice this morning, amen? Are you going to be in torment? Are you going to be in comfort? This world, <laughs> amen, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, amen? We play sports all the time, and um, and we, I coach some, and whatever the case, and um, yesterday was a bad day, <laughs> but sometimes, <laughs> just an example, <laughs> some people watch the Super Bowl, some people be happy or sad or whatever, but <laughs> sometimes you feel bad. Sometimes you're healthy, sometimes you're sick, sometimes you're rich, sometimes you're poor, sometimes you're going good with your family and your friends and your spouse and your job and whatever, and sometimes it's not, amen? But the biggest, bigger question is, are you going to lift up your eyes in heaven or in hell, amen? That's forever. The Bible says a day to us is like a, a thousand years to us is like a day to the Lord, amen? So it's going to be forever and forever. So if I have to say anything this morning, it's are you going to be in comfort? Are you going to be comforted? Are you going to be in torment? That's the question this morning. That's a decision that we have to make this morning, God. And I just, and I just want to say, my God reigns. The Lord reigns. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, God, for this church this Sunday morning. Uh, Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee, God, we pray that your anointing will come upon us, God, the Holy Spirit will come upon this place, Lord God, you will anoint the preachers and the singers and the musicians and the teachers and the people in the in the pews, Lord Jesus, we pray that the Spirit will be pulled, poured out, pray that someone will be saved, someone will be delivered, someone will be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, God, we know, Lord Jesus, I believe that something good is about to happen, Lord God. I believe that something good 
in 2024 is going to happen, God, in this country and uh, Washington and the church and the world, Lord God, we believe, God, I believe that something good is going to happen, God, that you're going to pour out your spirit in the last of the last of the last days, Lord God, and I pray that we will be ready. We will get our fields there ready for harvest, and we will send out uh, the people to harvest your fields. They are white with harvest this morning, Lord God. Please speak to the people, God, so that someone will accept you as their personal Lord and Savior, and hearts will be touched, lives will be changed this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Amen. You know, many times when the children of Israel were about to go to war, into the battle, they said the kings or the, the leaders would say, put the singers up front. Now, that's kind of strange. Why put the, put the ones with the guns up front, you would think? Put the singers up front. Put the praisers up front. Put the shouters up front. <laughs> because we're going to let the devil know that it's not our might and it's not our power, it's the Spirit of our God, amen, in us, amen. Put the praises up, put your shout up front, put your singing up front. God is going to turn some things around, but He's going to do it for those who believe Him and trust Him. I've, I've been feeling so strongly some of the things that Adam's been saying, and I told him recently that, he didn't know it, and I didn't know it because we hadn't talked about it, but he'd been saying things that the Lord had been putting into my spirit. The Lord's been telling me, I'm going to turn some things around. I'm going to do something in this nation. I, I know half the church don't believe that, but I'm telling you right now, God is going to do it. He's going to do it. How You can't figure out how. Quit trying to do it. You can't figure it out. You just got to get your praise up front. And let the devil know that we don't fight with carnal weapons. We fight by the power of the Holy Ghost. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. And let God have his way. You can't listen. God ain't going to turn nothing around when we sit around with our arms folded up. Come on, church. God ain't turning nothing around when you come in and you sit there and you, you hold that pew down. God ain't turning nothing around. You got to get up in faith. You got to put your hands in there. You got to say, Lord, help me to praise you today. Oh, Lord, help me to just forget about everybody. Forget about my family. Forget about my friends. Forget about my job. Help me, Lord, to come in here this morning and walk out of this place by the power of God a different person get your praise on somebody say praise God this morning 
And nobody ought to have to pump you up, pep you up. You know, in school we used to have pep rallies. Y'all remember that? The, the football team was about to play that weekend, and on about Thursday they'd take everybody into the gym, get the cheerleaders out and fill the, fill the bleachers with all of the students, and everybody starts shouting for their team. Let's pump them up, boy. They're going to win. We're going to pump them up. You already have won through Jesus Christ. Why does anybody got to pump you up? Why does anybody got to pep you up? Why does Michaela have to say, come on, y'all. Let's let God turn it around. Come on, praise him. Why don't we come through the door saying, Lord, I need a touch today. Lord, help me. I know what our problem is. We got too much stuff on our minds. And when you come through the doors of the church, you got to learn how to push it aside and say, Lord, I need a touch today. God, I need to hear from you today. I need you to move today. And he's going to say something like, praise me. He's going to say something like, sing spiritual songs and melodies in your heart. Praise me. And then you let me have my way in your life. And you watch what I'll do, and I'll turn some things around. We're always looking for God to turn somebody else around. Maybe it's you he wants to turn around. Instead of that one you're focused on, maybe it's you he wants to turn around inside. So that way you're not so focused on that one that's plaguing you and bothering you and nagging you and being a nuisance to you, and you can overcome what they're doing to you by looking to him. Amen. So when you come to church, remember that. Just try to put everything aside and say, Lord, I need a touch today. Don't come through the doors just business as usual. Well, we're just going to church today. Yeah, you'll just come to church and you'll leave out the same way you came. God, help us. We don't need that. We need to let the Lord touch us. There's people that's got needs, you've got problems, you've got issues. And that's why the Bible says, bring those things to the Lord. Take them, and when the praise and worship starts, it's a perfect time to just lift your hand and say, Lord, here it is. I'm surrendering it to you. God, I can't overcome it. I can't change it. I can't change myself. I can't change my spouse. I can't change my family. Lord, I need you to work in me. Amen. And man, when we learn how to do that, oh, what God will do inside of us. Amen. We're going to take up the offering this morning, and we want to say thank you to those that help us. And we're talking right now with the pastor from Africa about a trip this year later on to have a crusade, maybe possibly October, trying to work on getting things set up. So we're asking people to continue to give for the missions. Amen. The Lord laid it on my heart, I believe, the other day to contact him. So I did, and I believe God's going to put something together here at the end of the year, and we're going to see God move in a mighty way. But we need people to give to help us to get there, to do what God wants us to do, to, that the Lord will help him to organize where to go, how to do it, uh, the, the, the money we need, how to, how to you know, facilitate everything. God is able to do it. He did it before, and he can do it again. So believe God and trust God with us. And believe in faith that he's going to open the doors greater and that people will be saved and set free by the power of God as they hear Jesus Christ lifted up. So those of you watching today, give and help us as you can and pray for us. We're going to pray. If you need a touch this morning as you come to give your offering, come and if you, like I already said, if you got problems, 
And I know some people got problems. You can't look at me like you don't because I can tell by looking at your face. Bring those problems to Jesus. Come down here to this front and just say, Lord, touch me. <laughs> Lord, touch me. Lord, help me. Lord, strengthen me. And he'll do it, my friend. He will do it. And you can turn around and walk away from here touched by the power of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your spirit. We thank you for the power of God, Lord. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would move throughout this church this morning, that you would help us to lay all of the burdens down, to cast them upon you, just as you said. You said, bring them to you and nobody else. And, Lord, I pray this morning for those that are hurting, those that are lost, those that are in need, God. Spiritually, they're, they're dying inside. They're facing difficulties, and they can't get the victory over it, that they would come to you and you only. And, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're going to do in this church today. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in the days to come in this nation, in Africa, in all the countries of the world that you're going to shake this earth before the coming of Jesus Christ that people would come to you and surrender their heart and life and we give you the praise for it in Jesus name Amen
description of heaven we can't comprehend it in this little puny mind of ours but when we get there (laughs) oh what a sight amen mansions will glisten on the hills of glory those faces shining because they're not carnal bodies they're not earthly bodies they're spiritual bodies amen our faces ought to be shining now Amen. These spirits should be shining even right now here while we're on this earth. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody this morning. Glad you came to church. Kind of warming up a little bit. Nicer weather is coming. I prophesy that in Jesus' name. The cold be gone. We speak it, Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Well, we get through February, I think we'll be all right. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. Verse one. I tell you, the Lord has put something strong on my heart this week. To preach this morning, I hope most of y'all can handle it. Because it's not going to be easy. But I can promise you this, you need to hear it. In this church, we don't give you what you want to hear. We give you what you need to hear. We try to give you what we feel like God wants us. To preach. You know, every God called preacher has a responsibility to get before God, to go to God, to pray, to find out what He wants them to minister on when it's time to preach. We don't just just get to choose what we like and pick something because we think it'll be a nice sounding subject and make everybody happy. We had to find out what God wants. And as I was reading this week, and through my daily Bible reading, I was in First Peter and got into Second Peter, and I couldn't get past this chapter here again. And I felt like the Lord really impressed upon me to stop here and to go through this and to preach on this this week. Second Peter chapter 2 says this, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be. False teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness 
Shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers not? What I've just read to you is a brief description of people, ministers in the church, who once knew the truth and preached it to a degree. But for many and varied reasons, they got off track. They left God's Word. They left God's Spirit. And they began to change God's Word. Change the methods of the Bible and to change the scripture to make it mean something that it does not mean. And here's the thing, most of the people in the church don't know it. But most Christians do not know that people have changed God's Word. They don't know it because of discernment that is lacking. And we have to know what we're following and what we're listening to because as you hear it often here, what you listen to will determine how you live. Not what you do. Not you coming to this church. What you listen to. What you allow to be accepted into your spirit as the gospel will determine how you live. And if you follow a lie, and if you follow those who preach false doctrine, you are in danger of losing your soul just as much as the ones who preach it. We all have a responsibility. In the end, we're going to have to answer to God. And you're not going to be able to stand before God and say, but but they all listened to it. But they all did it. They all said it. Just because somebody jumps off a bridge don't mean I go behind them. That's the problem in the church. Everybody's looking at everybody else doing what they're doing. You better start learning how to do what's right. And what God says is right. And forget about the crowd and start following the cloud. Amen. Forget about the crowd and start following the cloud. Start following the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the power of God that is real. We thank you for the anointing. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would help me this morning. I pray that you would touch me, that you would anoint me, that you would move upon people here, people through the internet, God, the things that you want said. Help me to say them the right way. Help me to say them without fear, without favor, and to do it, Lord, with your spirit, with your power, with your anointing, God. And I pray that you would open the hearts of your people, God, that if there are things, Lord, that we are listening to that are wrong, that they have saturated our belief system, I pray that you would tear them down today that you would remove them, remove those high places of false doctrine, false ways, Lord, that we can hear the truth of your word. 
and that we can be changed and we can walk in freedom and liberty and we can know what we believe and why we believe it. Lord, we thank you today for everything that you're doing. We thank you that as the song was singing, God is going to turn some things around. We believe it, Lord, and we stand on it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to do some comparisons this morning to get into this message, I guess. As I've already said, what Peter wrote here, number one, it is, it's the Word of God. It ain't the Word of a man. Don't ever make the mistake of reading books of the Bible and say, well, that was just Paul's thoughts. That was just Peter's perception. Everything that is written here was given to these men by the Holy Spirit. They, they, these men didn't speak this out of their own mind. But they were as the holy men of old. They heard the voice of God and they wrote the things that needed to be written in order to guide the church, to guide the Christian, to help keep us on the right path and, and protect us also from being deceived. Deception is one of the devil's greatest tools. Causing somebody to believe something that they think is right, but it's not. Calling good evil and evil good. And that's prevalent in our society today. The government is responsible for a lot of it, and the church is more responsible because we've left the Word of God. But you know, we are, we are warned over and over, especially in the New Testament, we are warned, even Jesus himself said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Don't just listen to anybody and everybody. Listen to that which is right and biblical and apply it to your life. But if it ain't right, don't accept it. If it's not from the Spirit of God, if it's not from the Word of God, throw it out. Because the Word of God will keep you on track. But Peter said, as he said here, and, and let me say this, this is a warning, this chapter here is a warning against these false teachers and those who follow their ways that just as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, just as God did not spare those angels that had sinned in the beginning, that were cast down, that tried to corrupt God's way. They are reserved, listen, for everlasting judgment. So too is every false teacher. So too is every so-called preacher on Facebook, every so-called preacher on television that preaches another gospel other than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to make you free from your sin because sin is your number one problem. It ain't your husband. It ain't your wife. It ain't your job. It's you and you got a sin problem and that sin problem can only be taken care of by the power of God 
as you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I need a change. I need to be made free. I need to stop gossiping. I need to stop lying. I need to stop stealing. I need to stop rolling my eyes. And everybody in church, I need you to walk in me, Lord. Sin is our problem. I need to stop judging everybody in church. Condemning everybody in church. Got my focus on everybody else in church. Instead of God coming and say, Lord, I need you to speak to me. It's always about the one sitting beside me. Well, he needs this. She needs that. And one front of it, we know they need it. But you are going to be responsible for what you listen to. And there's a, this, this whole chapter is a warning that God did not spare these angels that sinned. He did, listen, He didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Ultimately, judgment came upon them. But I want to say this while I'm here right there. But you know, everybody remembers Abraham's nephew, Brother Lot, who went out, who, who had a, a strife with the herdsman of Uncle Abraham. And you see, people start, when people start multiplying with stuff, ain't it a shame that when, when people in the church, what we ought to be able to do is when we all start multiplying, it ought not divide us, it ought bring us together. But instead, division comes, and then, then, then he got this section says, well, I don't need to stay with Abraham anymore, and, and, and we got problems, so we just need to separate off and go find our own land. Go find another church. Come on. Go find another ministry, because there's problems going on in my church. And Abraham had to step in and say, listen, there don't need to be any strife between us. We're family. We serve the same God. What in the world is wrong? But if you insist, look, here's land. Pick whatever you want and go get it. Take it. There's plenty for all of us. Can I tell y'all something? There's plenty enough Jesus for everybody in this building and everybody around this world. There's plenty. So why do we got to be divided over him? Come on, somebody. And he chose his own land. He chose his own making, Sodom and Gomorrah, where he was a righteous man. He loved God, but he found himself in the midst of nothing but perverseness and corruption, idolatry, self-worship, homosexuality, lesbianism, pornography. He finds himself right in the center and everywhere he looks is sin all around him. And you think, what in the world is a man of God? What is a child of God doing in the midst of such corruption? I tell you, because he chose his own way. You choose your location. You choose your friends. You choose your church. 
You are the one who makes your choice about where you are going to locate yourself for God to work in your heart and life. And you better make sure that you get the right location. You better make sure that you find you a church that ain't telling you you can you can be in the midst of the sinners and you can act like them and you can live like them and you can do like them and whatever else. But you better find you a place where somebody says, come out from amongst them and be you separate, says the Lord. Because the Lord ain't, God ain't in agreement with you shacking up with evil people. God ain't in agreement with you Following that which is evil. Now we know Lot, he was in the midst of this and he, he, for the most part, he didn't allow his spirit to be tainted, but he was so close. And the only thing that helped bring deliverance to brother Lot was Uncle Abraham praying for his nephew. Oh God. When the word came, God is about God sending angels. He's about to overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah. He's about to destroy them. They're going to be wiped out. And Abraham began to plead with God. And his nephew Lot and some few were spared. And I believe because Abraham was his uncle and he prayed for him. And that righteous, the scripture says that Lot was a righteous man, but his soul was vexed with all of the evil and all of the corruption. See, again, you choose your surroundings. You choose your friends. And if you choose the wrong ones, your soul will be vexed from day to day. There will be no spiritual happiness. There will be no spiritual joy. Because you can't be in this world and be of it. You can't. And these are examples to show us that, yes, God brought judgment upon these people, upon these angels, upon uh, this land, Sodom and Gomorrah. But he also, he did deliver a lot out of it. And I think that's a good, hopeful example for us to know that if we have loved ones that have truly been saved and they love God but they're not where they need to be and they're too much in the world, there's still hope for them. Pray for them. That the Holy Ghost will snatch them up and pull them out. But to those who follow false teachers, to those who listen to that which calls itself Gospel, it's got Jesus over the sign, over the door of the church. You gotta be careful what you listen to. Because Peter said, just as there were false prophets amongst the uh, people of the Old Testament, there were many false prophets throughout the time of the Old Testament. There were many that were saying things contrary to what God's Word was saying. Talk about a couple of them. Let me read some things first, though. Just as there were false prophets among the people, even so there will be false teachers this is futuristic. This is prophecy. There will, there will be false teachers among you here. 
today. There will be. And who shall bring in, privily, they will bring in damnable heresies. You know how this happens? To privily bring in, it means to come in unto or at the side of something. It has the idea of to introduce something along with others. You know, another definition of this is called smuggle. You know, there's a show on television from once time to time, you know, I check it out where they, they show the smugglers where they're smuggling the drugs from other countries into the United States and the, the different methods that they have. And I will tell you, they're really clever. They, they, because they use things, ordinary objects that look so, that, that have an intended purpose that are real, but they will get inside those objects. I saw one on an air conditioning compressor. Compressors were being shipped and they were looking at them. They, they, they were x-raying them. They sensed that something wasn't right with them. On the outside, they looked just like an ordinary air conditioning compressor. But when they drill into it and little substance of white powder comes out and they crack it open, guess what? What's inside? You see, I'm going to tell you, some of y'all, that's y'all's problem. You're looking too much at the outside and you ain't paying attention to what's on the inside. Because look, people can look good on the outside, but the death and the destruction and the falsehood is down below. And if you ain't careful, you can be deceived by those who claim that they're preaching the gospel. They use so many different methods to smuggle in. And so these preachers, this is what they do. They look just like the real. They sound just like the real. But when you bust them open and you start looking at their doctrines and you start paying more attention to the things they're preaching, you will find... Leaven, corruption, false doctrine. I'm going to give you an example right now since it came to my mind. About years ago, now I don't know if he's still doing it now, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But when we started listening to JSM, they started calling the names of preachers and things that they were saying, and I was thinking to myself, is that really real? Are they, are they sure about that? So I wanted to hear from myself. My wife and I were in a hotel room one morning. I don't know where we were at, somewhere I think in Georgia or somewhere. And we were going across the Christian channels. And I'd been hearing that Creflo Dollar had been making statements that we're little gods. I thought, hey, you got to be crazy to be saying something like that. I turned, was turning the channels and all of a sudden I flipped on and there he was and it was like something says, Stop. I sat there and I listened for a minute and all of a sudden out of his mouth as he was preaching, he absolutely said, we are little gods. I looked at my wife. I said, can you believe, dude, he he just, they're telling the truth. You ain't no little God. You ain't no little Jesus. You're a little human being tainted by sin who needs Jesus. Along with others, Kenneth Copeland, the Jesus died spiritually doctrine. 
Is it real? Yes, when you listen to it, investigate it, they teach these things. They teach that Jesus Christ, when he died, he became a sinner on the cross. He went into hell where he burned. He was tormented by God. And sometime about three days later, when God saw that he was tormented enough, he said, okay, that's enough. And he stops the torment. Listen, folks, this stuff is damnable. They say, some of them say, if if Paul, had the revelation that I had he wouldn't gone through the things he went through no my friend if you had the revelation Paul had you'd been going through a whole lot more than you've been going through do you hear me today and we heard and I thought it's real they are saying it but you have to listen you have to pay attention because along with what they're saying they're mixing truth in And see, the truth is the bait to pull you in to that which can corrupt your soul. The word of faith, name it, claim it. We know something about it, tried it, it don't work. Bought the shirt and wore it and put it in the trash. It's no good. It don't work. It's not biblical and it's not right. You can't manipulate God and his word to get what you want. That's like going to the casino and putting money in and pulling a handle to try to take a chance on getting what you want. It don't work like that living for Jesus. We live by faith. We don't gamble. We don't play lottery. Let me just throw that there. I don't play lottery. You don't play lottery, Christian. You don't need no lottery ticket. You need the Bible. You need faith. You need prayer. You need to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight because Jesus didn't come to die to make you rich. He come to die to make you free from the bondages of your flesh. So they come in in a sly way and they sound good. In Galatians, it was Judaism, circumcision, twisting, perverting the gospel to bring people into a system of law. And Paul said, if you do this, you damn people. You will destroy people. You will harm people. And that's why he said, if any man preach any other gospel than that which we preach unto you, let him be accursed. That gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That gospel is that you're a sinner on your way to hell, but Jesus Christ died. He was crucified. He was put in a tomb. He shed his blood, but three days later, he was raised up by the power of God and not to make you rich and not to make you successful, but to make you free from the power of the devil. I'm talking to somebody today. Jesus wants to do something inside of you. The outside, you're too focused on the outside. Let him get on the inside. When it gets on the inside, he'll start moving on the outside. He said they'll bring in damnable heresies. That's a form of religious worship. It looks disciplined. It's people's opinions. It's those who only have opinions about the word, not the word. He said by reason 
They're bringing damnable heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. So listen, what does that mean to deny the Lord who bought you? You're denying the cross. You are leaving the very thing that has saved you and freed you from the bondages of the devil. When we leave the cross, now if you want to stick your fingers in your ears and say you're talking about the cross again, you go right ahead. When you leave the cross, when you leave Jesus Christ, when you leave the one that broke the power of the devil in your life and you start listening to stuff that's taking you away from that, my friend, you are going astray then you're opening yourself up to deception you're opening yourself up to listen to that which is not right and you're going to go down a path that's going to bring destruction upon you it's going to harm you it'll harm your family it'll harm your church preacher this is what happens we deny the very one who saved us by his blood because that is what bought us. (laughs) We are bought with a price. And look, and they will bring upon themselves swift destruction. Every person who leaves the cross of Jesus Christ, here's what God does. He don't kick you out and destroy you and knock you down and judge you and put you in hell. He turns you over to your flesh. He turns you over to that sin nature that was once crucified and now he allows it to start burning out of control again. And then here you go back into the world. Here you go listening to music you once denounced. Here you go drinking when you once said it was wrong. Here you go accepting the ways of the world that you used to say are wrong. And then you find yourself compromising, you see, because sin is not a big issue anymore. You're not, you're not concerned about sin because you've left the one that's bought you from your sin. So you, and then you start listening to this stuff like, you know, about uh, God loves you. You're a champion. We got a program for you. We got a psychiatrist for you. We got AA for you. And then you start buying into stuff that you knew once before that Jesus Christ was the answer to every bit of it. But when we leave, we bring upon ourselves swift destruction. They said this, and many, many, not a few, many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious ways, here's what this means. It refers to the state after death wherein exclusion from salvation is a realized fact. Pernicious ways. Following that which is wrong, which is false doctrine, you've now accepted it. Sin is no longer the issue in your life and your focus is not on Jesus and what he can do anymore, but your focus is on yourself and how great you are. And the preacher pumps you up when you go to church. 
and tells you how great you are. Well, you got sin in your life that needs to be dealt with. And then you got your Joseph princes that say, well, now that we're under grace, you don't have to pay any attention to your sin. Don't you confess any sin. That's a negative confession. God doesn't want you to bring up that because if you do that, then you'll stir up your mind and you'll start thinking about sin. I got news for you. We don't need anything, much of anything to stir us up to get us thinking about the wrong thing. Me preaching on it ought not be making you think about going out and committing evil. If that's happening, there's something wrong with you. It ain't me. The right kind of preaching on it will stir you up to say, Lord, help me to live a holy life and abstain. From sin. The right kind of preaching won't make you mad. You won't walk out mad at Brother Thomas. I, can you believe that he said that? The right kind of preaching on it will expose it, and then you, if you got the right heart, you'll say, Oh God, that's me. Lord, I need deliverance today. I need help today. I want to walk out of here different today. We have forgotten what church is about. I mean, I see people from time to time walk through the doors of this church that I've never seen before. And when we start our service, when I start preaching, they're looking like, what in the world is wrong with him? This is the craziest thing I ever seen, but don't you know this is the way it's supposed to be? This is normal. The early church preached the gospel. The early church The early church called out specific sins. So why shouldn't we? Oh, if we do that, somebody might get hit in the heart. Right. Because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And it can get right down to where a man can't get. It can get where a psychiatrist can't get. The preaching of the word will fix a lot of your problems if you just come to church with the right attitude and open your heart up and say, Lord, that's me. I need you to change this. I need you to do something. Many will follow their pernicious ways, but in the end, they lose their soul. In the end, because they were deceived, they lose their soul. Look, by... Reason of whom the way of truth, the way of truth is evil spoken of. Oh, the way of truth. You know what that means? Those of us, you few in here today, who are standing on the truth, guess what you're labeled as by the world? Guess what you're labeled as by some of your family members? You're judgmental. You're mean. You're evil. You're wrong. When all you're doing is standing on the truth of God's Word that tells it like it is that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that Jesus is the Deliverer, that Jesus is the answer for not just you or your husband or your family, but for the whole wide world. And because you say homosexuality is an abomination in the eyes of God, they say you're evil. The way of truth is evil spoken of. 
Because you say Christians don't go out and get drunk and drink. You're evil. Don't you know Jesus' time water in the wine? They always use that in Jesus' time water in the wine. Water in the wine. Water in the wine. That's my little pet scripture. They don't even know what it means. Jesus didn't turn no water into alcoholic wine and get anybody drunk. You're stupid. And you're ignorant, and I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've been saved. If you say Jesus Christ took that which was symbolic of leaven and corruption that kills and steals and destroys, and you're telling me that he attached himself to it, and he gave it to people to get drunk, to rip their clothes off, to act like a bunch of idiots, you're the idiot, my friend. That ain't the Jesus of the Bible. I'm going to tell you, that ain't the Jesus. If you want to know what the Bible says about alcohol, some of you scared of it, get in the book of Proverbs. Go over there and find out what one of the wisest men who ever lived wrote about it. He said, I can tell you what it'll do to you. It'll destroy you. It'll make you crazy. It'll cause you to abuse your family. It'll cause you to drive drunk. Come on, somebody. It'll cause you destruction. Moderation, moderation, moderation. Well, a little bit for thy stomach. You quit lying. It ain't for your stomach's sake. It's for your spirit's sake. You just want to get tipsy because you ain't going to the Holy Ghost. <gasps> you want to make yourself feel good because you're not being filled with the Spirit like you should. Because when you got the Holy Ghost working, <laughs> comforting, Helping you to handle your problems. You don't need alcohol. You don't need the drugs. Come on somebody. You don't need a psychiatrist. You got the greatest help in the world living inside of you. Take advantage of what you got living on the inside. Instead of looking for what's on the outside. And you would be shocked at the number of preachers today. Who promote drinking alcohol. Not here. It always starts with a little. And the little turns into a lot. But if you stand on that and you believe that and you correct those Jesus turned water into wine people, you're looked at as evil. They speak evil of the truth. Let them speak evil. Everybody's going to be judged. And I'm glad to say today when I stand before God, I can say, Lord, I preached against the drinking of alcohol because you delivered me from it and it nearly sent me to hell. And I don't want any part of it. I don't want to smell it. I don't want to taste it. I don't want it in my food. I don't want it in my drink. It's nasty. It stinks. How can somebody think that alcohol smells good? You know the wine tasters. Ooh, what a flavor. Ah, grape. Cherry. It's nasty. 
And when it's altered by the hand of the man, it's there to destroy you. Destroy you. But they speak evil of the truth. And listen, and through covetousness, greed, wanting stuff, covetousness, shall they with feigned words that is fabricated, that's deceit. What do they do? They make merchandise of you. Again, as some of the preachers, we have them in the church. What do they do? They don't care about your soul. They don't care about whether or not you have freedom from sin. Uh, but you got the Mike Murdochs. It's all about money, 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 money. Make you rich. Sow your thousand dollar seed right now. Get in on the blessing. If you don't get in in the next ten minutes, the spirit's going to quit moving and you ain't going to get anything. And all they're doing is making merchandise out of you. They're stealing your money. They're lying to you. How do you know? Because every time you turn it on, it's always the same message. Money and stuff. And they make merchandise of people. Taken from the people. Not helping the people, taken from them. Said, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not and their damnation slumbers not. Judgment is coming. If they don't repent. Now listen. Let me give you some examples here. Put up on that screen back there for me. Ezekiel chapter 3. You want to kind of keep up with me if you can a minute here. I'm going to have you put some scriptures up. Ezekiel 3, 4 through 7. Now Peter said, Just as there were false prophets among the people of old, there will be false teachers among you. Let's go back and look at some of the ones of old. And let's look at the true ones. And let's do a little comparison this morning. This is Ezekiel when God was calling Ezekiel to preach the gospel, to send him to preach. Now listen, as he said unto me, Son of man, get thee into the house of Israel and speak my words unto them. Go to the church. (laughs) Go to the Baptists. Go to the Pentecostals. Go to the Presbyterians. Go to the dead. Go to whoever. Go to my people and preach to them. For you are not sent to a people of a strange speech, of a hard language, but to them of the house of Israel. I want to go up to verse 7 with this one. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, if I had sent thee to them... They would hearken unto you. Ain't it something how that the heathen in Africa, the idol worshipers, the drunks, the ones in witchcraft, and the ones in these other countries, they can hear the gospel and the power of God can hit them and they will repent sometimes and give their lives to the Lord. But when you go preaching the same thing to the stubborn, impudent, hard-hearted, hard-headed people that sit on a pew from week to week, He said, but the house of Israel, now this is what God told Ezekiel. He said, the house of Israel will not hearken unto you. Wow. How many preachers would start a ministry if God told them that? 
The house of Israel will not hearken to you, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Now skip up to verse 17 through 21. Listen to this. Here's the call of the true prophet and preacher of God. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth. Listen, son, I'm calling you to preach to my people, and I don't need you hearing from the assemblies of God, from the church of God, from the Baptists. I don't need you on summon.net. I don't need you on the internet. I need you down on your knees. I need your spirit opened up and listening to me to hear the word at my mouth, and when you do, Tell them. Give them warning from me. It hasn't changed, church. Nothing has changed. There's two groups of people here that God told Ezekiel to preach to, and as there's only two in the world today, the saved and the lost. Let's talk about the lost first. Some people say, well... You know, you got to be careful how you preach, you know, to the world. People are sensitive, and you don't want to upset people. And, you know, we don't want to offend the drunkard and people in church, too. So, you know, we got to be real sensitive about how we say things. When I say to the wicked, this is God, you shall surely die. This is to the lost. Do you know that every person today lost without God is going to hell? Straight to hell, and it's the truth. And you give him not warning, okay? God said, I'm giving you the responsibility. Now, you're going to tell him what I'm telling you to say? Nor if, you, nor if you speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, look, to save his life. What do we do? We preach to the lost that sin is killing them, it'll destroy them, it'll take them to hell. But the good news is that Jesus died for them too to save them. The same wicked man, he will die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. I told you to preach to him, but you were scared. I told you to preach to the wicked that come through the doors of your church from time to time, preacher. But you wouldn't do it because you're worried about losing big mouth and the biggest tither. But blood is on your hands. Next verse says, Yet if thou warn the wicked that he turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. I'm glad that I can leave this church every single week and go home and go to bed and sleep in peace knowing that I have told you what I feel like that God has told me to tell you whether you love me or you hate me. Because you don't run this church, the Holy Ghost does. You don't tell me what to preach, God does. That's how every preacher operates. We have to hear from the Lord. He said this in the next verse, Yet again, 
Look, now here's the message to the righteous man. Who's that? That's the person who knows Jesus. That's the person that's been saved. That's the person that says, that's, that, that has accepted the message of the cross. They've seen great changes in their life. And they've seen God move. But hold on a minute. Just because that happened don't mean everything's going to stay okay. Just because you once received the truth don't mean you're going to continue in it. Again, when a righteous man does turn from his righteousness, okay? Again, how are we made righteous? By the blood of Jesus Christ. How are we made holy to God? Through what Jesus did at the cross. We are the righteousness of God through what Jesus did. So if we turn from it, what happens? We start sinning. It's a sin to turn from what Jesus... There's the major sin, turning from the cross. That's what adds more sin to it. And you commit iniquity. And said, I lay a stumbling... God said this. God said, I will lay a stumbling block before him. You better listen to me, some of you. Because you ain't where you need to be. And God's about to put a stumbling block before you. And you're listening to this right now, and if you don't heed, and if you don't let God have his way, brother, you're about to go down in a hole that you're going to have a hard time coming out of. God is laying a stumbling block in front of you because he's ready to get a hold of you. He wants to pull you up out of your muck and out of your mire. He wants to pull you out of your complaining and your murmuring and got your eyes on what everybody else in the church has done to you. Get out of it. It's time to get that. Let God pick you up. Don't let anything become a stumbling block to you. God said, I'll put a stumbling block before him. That means God loves you so much that if you start going astray, he's going to trip you up. You better hear me today. God's going to put something in your way. He's going to put a wall up in front of you to knock you down to the ground, to wake you to your senses, to realize you need to come back to your first love. And it's Jesus you've left. It's the cross you've left. And you need to come back to it. You just saying what Jimmy says. I'm saying what the Bible says. What's your interpretation? How can it be any different? If your interpretation is any different than this, I'm going to tell you something. You're wrong. And I'm right. Ooh, sound boastful. No. Here it is. What makes you righteous? Coming to church? I don't think so. What makes you righteous? You from the south? I don't think so. What makes you righteous? You a Republican? I don't think so. What makes you righteous? You was born in the church? I don't think so. What makes you righteous? That baptized in water don't make you righteous. The blood, the sacrifice of God's Son, Jesus Christ, People leave it. They get drawn away from it by listening to that which is not right. He said, I left a stumbling block before him, he'll die. But because you have not given him a warning, he'll die in his sin. Hold on just a minute. Wait a minute. Now, I was always taught that once you're saved, you're always saved. Oh. Let me inform you this morning, you've been taught wrong. Because this right here tells me you can leave what you had and you can die in your sin and you can lose your soul. Uh-oh. Just lost half the people. Just made people mad on two Facebook. Having a heart attack. 
he'll die because you have not given him a warning. But see, the responsibility is on the preachers. If we don't warn, listen, we have to warn the lost, but we're supposed to be warning you cross-believing Christians who know the truth that you need to be careful what you listen to. You need to be careful what you follow because anything that takes you away from what brought you in is deception. And if we don't do it when God is putting it on our heart to do it, then we're the ones responsible along with you. Said he'll die in his sin and his righteousness, which he has done, it won't be remembered. How does it get any plainer? Your righteousness is blotted out. It's gone. There's no more righteousness. You've lost your soul. You're in hell because you allowed yourself to be deceived. You didn't follow the truth. You listened to ear-tickling preachers. You got off track. You wouldn't come back. You wouldn't repent. Everything he's done, it won't be remembered. But his blood, well, I require it's your hand. That right there is enough to keep me on track right there. That right there is enough to cause me to say, I don't care what anybody in this church thinks about me. That's enough to make me look everybody in this, everybody in this building in the face and say, I love you, but I ain't changing nothing for you. I ain't changed, I ain't altering one word of this Bible for you because you don't like it, because you'd rather just hear something to tickle your flesh and make you feel good. If you let the Holy Ghost have His way, your flesh will get tickled and you will feel good. If you let God have His way, your life will be changed. If you let the Spirit of God do what He wants to do, He will make you so joyful on the inside. And when you hear truth preached, you won't get your toes stepped on every time running. You'll walk out saying, praise God. I'm in the army of God I heard the truth today I'm a soldier in the army and I'm staying on the battlefield Lord I'm staying on the right track I'm following Jesus all the way verse last verse on this one nevertheless if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not Don't leave the cross because if you do, sin will begin to take control. If you warn the righteous man that he sin not and he does not sin, he'll live. There's some good news for some of your family members, but you're going to have to warn them. Hmm. Some of y'all got some people in your family that's having a real hard time. They're struggling. They're listening to stuff they shouldn't be listening to. And you got the opportunity to warn them and tell them, say, hey, uh, you know, uh, let, let me tell you what Pastor Thomas preached today. Let's take a look at this. Would you check this out? Did you know that you don't have to be deceived? Did you know that you don't have to live depressed, oppressed, beat down by the devil, controlled by your past, controlled by your circumstances? Do you know that Jesus can change your whole world? And if you will let him have his way in your life, you will live. You shall live because he is worn and you have delivered your soul. That means both. The person who's warned takes the correction. They let God make the correction. And the preacher that did the warning, everybody's safe. 
Listen to this. I've already covered that part. Listen to these verses. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I believe it was, preach the word. Not the world, the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine because the time will come. The time will come. The time is here that they will not endure sound doctrine. Again, like what I'm preaching right now, it's laughed at. It's mocked at. They'll turn me off real quick. Because people have been so conditioned to listen to the lies. They don't even know the truth when they hear it. But to those of you this morning that got your ear tuned to the truth, it ain't, it ain't misery to you. It ain't, it ain't despair to you. You say, praise God, it's victory to you. It's a noise of victory today. It's a noise of, hey, praise God, I got the truth today and I'm gonna abide in the truth and I'm gonna let the truth make me free and keep me free. The time will come they will not endure sound doctrine, but they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. Stuff that's not true. You young people today, I feel for y'all. I'm praying for y'all. You young people in this building this morning, God's got a call on your life. I'm praying for some of you because I know what you'll face. But I tell you what, I know the power of God. <laughs> Woo. Boy, that'll take you right through the midst of this bunch of dark ages we're living in right now, right in the midst of the darkness going on in the technical world, in the government. I'm telling you today, God wants to use you as much as he did those men of old. He wants to raise up some sons and some daughters in these last days, some grandmas and some grandpas. He wants to pour his spirit out upon your flesh, and he wants to use you to prophesy. He wants to raise up a John the Baptist in the midst of this darkness that we're living in to say prepare ye the way of the Lord. He wants to raise up somebody that's still got the same old message that Jesus started with. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's looking for somebody today. But you're going to have to get your head out of the phone and out of the game and out of the world. And into the Bible, preach the word. And along with that, you have to reprove at times. You have to rebuke. And you got to be able to be so strong to do it that when people look at you ugly, when they come to you after church and say, I want to have a talk with you about what you said. You have to learn how to tell them sometimes you can talk to my hand. Because God just spoke to you. And if you don't want it, it's on you. The problem is we just really want to do what we want to do. Instead of taking heed to God's word. That would be your flesh. And I tell you how you can get it under control today. Submit it to Jesus. <laughs> just let him have his way. And he'll change your desires inside. You don't have to be conformed to this world. You can be transformed, young people. 
So today they only want to listen to that which, is appe- that which appeases the flesh. This is what the majority of Christians want to listen to, that which appeases their flesh. No church attendance. No more going to church in person hardly from people. Let's just watch online. Let's have online church. We'll say we went to church. We'll, we'll get up on Sunday about 12.30 and 1 o'clock. And I'll go on the, 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 the phone and I'll, I'll pull up the message that Brother Thomas preached this morning and I'll scroll through and see who sung. Well, that sung a little like it was okay and I'll fast forward a little bit. Well, I wonder what Sister so-and-so said. Oh, well, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And Brother Thomas, oh, he said a few good things and, and go, oh, well, I had church today. No, you didn't. You didn't have no church. You just went through a former religion. When you can learn how to sit in that seat and get yourself up like you're going to church and put everything else down and quit scrolling and listen. We got too much scrolling in the church. Some of y'all want to fast forward me up right now. Because you want to hurry up and get out at the right time to get your hamburger. To get your drink, to get your favorite food. Oh, the Super Bowl is on today, don't he know? Yeah, and everybody in this building has got a TV with a DVR recorder on it. And you can record anything you want these days and go watch it later. Will you be back to church tonight? Praise the Lord, brother. Because the Super Bowl ain't in more important than the super Jesus working in your heart and life. They, the church, and here's another, the church, I wrote every bit of this out by hand. I don't know they ever do this. Now I sit and wrote this, my chicken scratch, as I believe the Lord gave it to me, The church today is hung up on purpose. What's my purpose? You know, Rick Warren started all the purpose stuff years ago. And the church is still hung up on purpose. What's my purpose? Tell me what my purpose is today, pastor. Stop gossiping. Stop lying. Stop looking at stuff you ought not be looking at. Stop listening to stuff you shouldn't be listening to. What's your purpose? If you give your heart to Jesus and you live for him and you pray and you study his word and you witness to others, your purpose will become obvious. And you don't have to chase around trying to find out what it is. Listen to this. Oh, I got one more page to go. The false prophets of old. Now, let me talk about some of them. Jeremiah was a true prophet. We know that. And in Jeremiah chapter 23, this is what God said to Jeremiah. He said, the false prophets, they say still unto them who despise me. This is God. The Lord has said, you shall have peace. 
What's the message today for most preachers? Peace, brother. Prosperity. Success. Champion. You're great. Everything is peaceful. I don't know when the last time you took a look, but if you take a look around at America right now, there ain't no peace. There ain't no peace in the church. There ain't no peace in the White House. There ain't no peace in the crack house. But praise God, there is peace in the Prince of Peace. I'm telling you today, there is peace in Jesus Christ alone. They say unto everyone who walks after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. Hmm. I love all of you. I love my family. I love people watching through that camera. But how in a good conscience could I stand here today and tell you that you can participate in any lifestyle of sin and everything will be okay with you and God. It won't be. There won't be peace. He said, I have not sent these prophets, yet they prophesied. You see, there's people God didn't send, and you think they, he did. I did not send these prophets, yet they prophesied. If they had stood in my counsel, this is what God said, and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from the evil way and the evil of their doings. Here's what the truth will do for you. It'll turn you from your evil ways. I said it'll turn you from evil and it'll turn you to righteousness. Well, what were they saying? They were saying, we've had a dream. We've had a dream. What's the church? They're filled with it. They dream your dreams and follow your visions and follow your own heart. What's your dream today? Forget about your dream and find out God's will for your life because your dreams can be deceiving. Your dreams can be misleading. These prophets were claiming they had dreams. Oh, we've got dreams and we see peace, peace, peace. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow you're going to be rich. He said, they cause, they cause my people to forget, they cause the people to forget God and His ways by their dreams and following their own deceit. They speak out of their own heart and not from the Spirit of God. There's most of your people on Facebook. What is a dream, God said, compared to God's Word when it's faithfully delivered? What is a dream? It's like the chaff is to the wheat. His word, he said, my word is not my word like a fire. What's fire do? Burn stuff up. There's some stuff we need to burn up. Gone. Lust. Come on. Pornography. Foul mouth. Jealousy. Envy. Adultery. Fornication. There's things that the fire wants to burn up. 
Is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? I was reminded of about two or three years ago, right in the midst of COVID, when God gave me a message to set a cinder block up here and take a hammer and bust it into pieces in front of people. And God said, this is what I want to do to people's hearts. It hadn't gone back to a cinder block, has it? You haven't allowed your heart to become hardened over the years, have you? You haven't shut out the truth, have you? The fire will burn some stuff up and the hammer, if you let God have His way, will break stuff into pieces and God will build something inside of you that you could never imagine. What else were they doing? God said He was against the preachers who still... His words from his neighbor. We got a bunch of imitators on the internet today. Some of them claiming they know the message of the cross and they made a cult out of it and a click out of it. And they borrowed stuff from Brother Swaggart, but only for the purpose. They've stoled his phrases and stoled truth, but they have other motives and they're trying to destroy other people and lift themselves up as though they're something. They're a bunch of thieves and liars stealing stuff and they don't possess the real thing. Just like some of the ones I've mentioned earlier, I see some of these prosperity preachers on television from time to time who talk all about money, then you can turn and you can see another one later. You don't know who he is. And he's saying the same exact thing as the other prosperity pimp is saying. Still in his words. And they're all going into a ditch. People who steal, where do you get your message, preacher? Where do you get your word from God at? Who are you stealing it from? God wants to give a God wants to give His word to us. There's many different ways He can do it. God's given me many messages by listening to something somebody else was preaching, and right in the midst of it, something they said, God would take that point to my heart. Me, maybe Miss Grace, Adam. Anybody, and God would speak to me or going down the road listening to SBN and just one word said from a service and here comes a a thought, here comes a message God begins to form inside of me. And I know it's from the Lord, but I didn't get the message from the person. I'm not imitating everything they say. Because we got them all over the internet right now. Stealing the words like that evil woman from Athens who has her Friday night Facebook bashing session. That's what she needs to call it. Friday night bash. As she tries continually to rip up Brother Swaggart and his ministry and those around him and the evil ones around her. Every one of y'all are evil and you know who you are. And I know who you are. My wife knows who you are. Some people in this church know a few of you because you tried to pull that garbage here, but you didn't get it over on us. People can come in. Oh, I, oh I'm with you, brother. We believe everything you preach. Oh, yeah, come on. They'll shout you down. They'll amen you until a certain point. 
until that two-edged sword starts dealing with their pride and their ego and their wanting to be somebody greater than the pastor. Folks, this stuff is all around us. False teachers. Some of them knew the Lord. They were right. And then others, I don't know, maybe they don't know them, period. They're just using his ways to try to manipulate and lie to get things. Let me give you one more example and I'm about done. So we see Jeremiah was a true prophet. We know that. And God commissioned him just as he did Ezekiel. But he told him what the people would do. He told him about these false prophets. He said, I want you to speak against them. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Speak against it, son. Call the name if you have to. Speak against it. God, the Bible said that, here's an example in Jeremiah chapter 28. There was a prophet named Hananiah. You've heard this. He was a false prophet who tried to ridicule Jeremiah, the true prophet, in front of the people by claiming that God was going to release the captive Jews very soon and that old brother Jeremiah, he's just too hard. They said, don't listen to him. We're many more than he is. Listen to us. And God sent Jeremiah to tell Hananiah after he made a public demonstration. Hananiah took a yoke. It was a symbolic of the yoke that God had placed upon his people. And he took the yoke that was on, it was on Jeremiah's neck. And God says, y'all are in Babylon, you're in captivity, and you're staying there till I say you're leaving. It don't matter what all these other people say. And here goes this false prophet Hananiah. He said he takes the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck and he breaks it into pieces. He jumps up and down and he shouts on and he praises God. And said, oh, the Lord said, deliverance is here. The bondage is gone. Everything's going to be all right. And he did it in front of everybody. But after the show was over, God spoke to Jeremiah. And said, you go see Hananiah and you tell him what I have to tell him. You tell him that the Lord has not sent him. Hmm. The Lord has not sent him. Help me, Lord. Have some of you through this internet, God ain't sent you. You're liars. And you can put on a display and talk about how much you know the cross. Karen Hartnett, you're a liar. You are a liar. And everybody listening to that woman, if you are following her on there, who is bashing those that are preaching the truth right now 
Here it is. You're hearing the truth. Quit listening to her. And there's another one behind her who used to go to this church named Amy who tried to get everybody she could out of this church. When she left this church, she deceived people. God knows who they are. And folks, you better wake up. You better open your ears up. And you better pay attention because the devil ain't playing. He's a sweet talker. He's a smooth talker. He can get on that telephone and call you up and say, you know, Brother Thomas, he ain't right in what he's saying. Da, 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 da. I'm going to tell you something today you've just been exposed now it's up to you if you people want to listen to that stuff and you want to follow these people oh 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 we're joining in the crusade brother swagger left the cross they don't preach the truth no more if you want to believe that lie you go right ahead you're deceived you're deceived the lord has not sent you That means people need to quit listening to that stupidity. I didn't plan that. It just came. I didn't say, Lord, I'm going to tell everybody this. It just came. Look, some of y'all need to get woke up. The only way some of y'all are going to get it is somebody just calls the name because you just don't get it. You ain't paying attention. They're on a bashing session. Wayne Voss, Curtis Hutchinson, Don Ragsdale, Karen Hartnett, Amy Mazinski. She changed her name who knows how many times now because she married this and married that and da da da. And and, and on and on and on. These little group of so-called cross preachers, they're running a cult. And if you don't say what they say the way they say it, you're of the devil. You left the cross. You ain't preaching the message of the cross. I got a word for you. God didn't send you. You're a liar. Listen, folks, I don't say this on no ego trip because I'm telling you inside, it bothers me. People are being deceived. And people will go to hell. Some of the very people I just mentioned, their soul is in question. I'm telling you. You cannot ridicule and bash and tear down what God is doing over time, over so many years, and think that you're going to march through the pearly gates of heaven, you're going to be okay. It, it don't work like that, folks. People are deceived. He said, God sent Jeremiah to Hananiah. Said, he said, you tell him, I didn't send him. And by the way, while you're there telling him that, you tell him he's caused my people to believe a lie. And today it's the same. He then told him, he said that within this year, you're going to be a dead man. Whoa. The Lord said, boy, you better know you're a prophet. You better know you're hearing from God. When you look a man in the face and say, within this year, you're going to die. Because you're teaching rebellion against God. And that's what he told him. And what happened? Sure enough, God smote him. I'm going to tell you something. God hates people lying to his people. God 
You can bash me all you want. You can lie on me. I ain't, I'm not even going to try to protect myself. I ain't got nothing to protect. God will defend this ministry. God will defend my person, my character. He will defend these people in this church. I don't have anything to prove, but I'm telling you, God is just as angry today when people stand up and they lie to people because people are dying and going to hell and people are lying to them. He lost his soul, just like God said. You see, a true preacher will tell you what you need to hear instead of what you want to hear. My last example, here it is. In Second Chronicles 18, two kings, the king of Jerusalem and the king of Ju- Judah, Jehoshaphat and, oh, wicked Ahab. You know, everybody knows old brother Ahab, don't you? He's Jezebel's husband. He's the husband of the woman that loves to promote false doctrine and lead people astray and crucify and kill God's prophets and slander them up real bad. The Bible said that the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, he made an alliance with the king Ahab and God didn't want him to. In a time of trouble, in a time when when they've been threatened by war, and problems. See, you'll find out where you're going to go in a time of trouble. And because he didn't seek the Lord like he should have, and Jehoshaphat was a godly man at the time, the Bible implies, but Ahab was married to a seducer who was leading God's people in a wrong direction. They were about to go to war with Syria. And all of Ahab's prophets, they call for people to come. Somebody, we need advice from people. Would you go gather the prophets and we want to hear from them. We want somebody to tell us if what we want to do, if it's right or not. Because this is what we, we feel like we should do. And they said they gathered all the false prophets and they come, 400 something of them I guess. And they said, they said, listen. We're facing war. We don't know what to do. Can y'all speak to the kings? Do you have a word? And you know what all the false prophets said? They said, go up and fight them. Go to war. God is victorious for you. You two have made an alliance with one another. One's following the right way and one's following the wrong way. And God says, it's okay, y'all go together and go fight. No, it don't work like that. My friend, child of God, you better be careful who you're going with. Because you just might be led in the wrong direction for your destruction. And the Bible said that they they were told by the false prophets, go up, go up, go fight. Everything's going to be okay. They claim you're going to be victorious. But you know, Jehoshaphat, deep down inside, he just had this doubt. And he said, I just, I'm not too sure about this. He said, he looks at the king and says, is there any other prophets around here? Is there, do, is there not another man? Is there anybody else we can hear from? And he said, yeah, well, there's one, but I don't like him. Because every time I inquire to hear from him, he never tells me what I want to hear. But it's always negative when he speaks. 
And they said, go and get him. And let's hear what he has to say. So they went and they fetched him. They brought him back before the two kings. And look, when the men went to fetch him, you know what they told him? They said, they said, hey, listen, the kings want to hear from you. And listen, you need to make sure that you say what everybody else is saying. You listen, listen, boy, we're going to threaten you. You make sure well, we're going to tell you what they're saying. Now, you say what they're saying because we want to appease the kings. And you know what he said? He said, what my God, <laughs> what my God puts into my mouth to speak, that will I speak. He didn't pray with him. He said, what God puts into my heart, that I'll speak. They brought him for the kings and they said, listen, what do we do? We got, a, we got a war we're about to face. What do we do? And then he begins to be sarcastic with them. He said, go up, go up, go up, go fight. Everything be okay. Go up, go up, go up. That's what they all been telling Go up, go up. And then, oh, Ahab, <laughs> he gets angry. I told you. And then he eventually, he comes to the truth and tells them, don't do it. Don't you? Y'all don't need to be making alliances with one another, number one. And God ain't in this. And you don't need to be going up trying to defeat enemies when you got enemies in your own life. And you're talking about here, everybody else needs to be delivered from sin, but you got sin you need to be delivered from. And. Micah, the prophet, man, he hits them with a blow, boy. He tells them what God says. And he said, Ahab said, get him out of here. Put him in jail. Put him in prison. Feed him with wormwood. Get him out of my sight. I told you, he never tells me what I want to hear. And I'm here to tell you today, no true preacher of the gospel is always going to tell you what you want to hear. He's going to tell you what God is saying. Now, you can follow the voice of the Lord. You can follow the way, the truth, and the life. Or you can follow a false teacher. But you can't have both. Listen, church, family worship center, people through the Internet. I know it's been hard. I know it sounds mean. Go get on your knees. No matter of fact, come up here and get on them. If you're mad at me, come up here. Do what I did years ago. Do what my wife and I did when we said, God, we want the truth. And then when God gave us the truth, names started coming out. And then we realized what we were doing. You know what we had to do? We had to get on our knees. Come on, somebody. We had to say, Lord, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to come out. Lord, help us not to be listening to stuff. Miss Grace, would you come? Help us not to be following that which is wrong. Help us, Lord, to repent of that which we've been listening to that's leading us in the wrong direction. Lord, help us. Today, you church, you have heard the truth. If there's things, if there's ideas, if there's thoughts, if there's doctrine, if you're listening to something that ain't right, you've got to repent of it because it'll take you down a path that will destroy you. Stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. <laughs> Stand up for Jesus. 
We're living in perilous times, church. We're living in dark days. And you are the light. You are the salt of this earth. And you're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be mocked. But you're going to have to take a stand in these last days to follow that which is right. I've preached it. I'm done. Now it's God's work. Do you need something today? There's something you need to repent of. There's something you need to bring before the Lord. Bring it on. If there's things in your heart that ain't right, you know it. And it's there because you're listening to the wrong stuff. Let the blood wash you clean today. You're watching through that camera. Get up out of your muck and mire. Get out of your doubt. Get out of your unbelief. Get out of your failure. And let Jesus pick you up today. Return back to your first love. Come back where it all started. The blood. Anna Kate, would you come and sing with you? Nothing but the blood. Whatever you need today, come. Look, I know God put this message on my heart. I know He did. It's your choice today. Are you going to draw the line as to what you listen to and what you
live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.